about Russian knapweed and everything that you've learned about Russian knapweed, and you've made a lot of material available to us, and then talk about some of the uh, strategies that you have then brought to us that uh, various people have been implementing from mowing to, you know, trying to exterminate with various treatments. And uh, then anybody else who's been involved in that process, please tell us how you have been going about it and what your uh, feelings are as far as participation is concerned. Nina, the floor is yours. Tell us about this nasty napweed. Uh, well, thank you. So touching on sort of what Jordy uh, was very keen on mentioning is that the soil out here is quite alkaline. It's very windswept, so it's hard to maintain sort of any ancestral connection really for these plants because there's not much to ground themselves into nor is there much to sustain their lives um, because it's so lacking of nutrients. Um, so one of the few uh, organisms that's able to survive out here on the plains would be Russian knapweed. It's an invasive noxious weed that um, is able to uh, multiply in a plethora of ways um, and it also will kill um, competitive plants. So it has a way of really creating a stronghold in this soil. And what I found is not much is able to grow because of how lacking of nutrients our soil is, but also because the rush and napweed will deprive any other plants of any nutrients that may exist. So right now our soil is kind of an untouchable. Um, so we have the, uh, the fantastic efforts of uh, from my knowledge, primarily Jordy and Derek, who are working on these composting mounds to kind of add nutrient back to our soil. But as of right now, um, should that start to really decompose and provide nutrients to our soil, that's really going to feed our Russian knapweed until we're able to eradicate it. And what's difficult about uh, knapweed is it usually has um, a life of 10 years when you're actively working to eradicate it once it is as strong as it is out here. So. Um, you're saying that it could be a 10-year cycle, a battle of epic proportions, a decade-long uh, battle to get rid of the napweed. Easily. Yeah. Hey, uh, I hate to interrupt, but I just uh, made a horrible mistake. In trying to air the place out, I opened that door and it looks like um, uh, that, Ari. Uh, Ari went out. <coughs> so I feel bad because that was partly my fault. Uh, and so um, you all can continue the discussion, I guess, but I'm going to uh, give uh, Sarah a hand. <coughs> okay. It looks like she may have got him already, okay. like, okay. from her. Yeah, I think so. All right, that's... Sorry, I tried to do she, stuff she, 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 re she wrangled that. Ari. He has been wrangled, it you looks like. open this window? We, we can open any any window we want. It seems like yeah. it's pretty warm today. Yeah, open yeah. a window. I'll close this door. Yeah. And so, uh, how? That's just. I mean, it's important to get down into the weeds on this conversation. Certainly. And uh, you'll forgive my puns, but they're relentless. How does Russian knapweed propagate? Uh, let me pull up the document for you. I wasn't as prepared. I didn't. I didn't know the napweeds were going to come up so quickly. Um, so let me get the exact details for you. But I can, as I'm searching for it, I can speak to. Um, I know the states of Colorado, Wyoming, Utah, and Arizona are battling Russian napweed, and they are losing um, with the fear that Russian napweed will eradicate our natural, like indigenous species. Um, and it will, of course, as we're discussing, our climate will suffer as we lose uh, diversity in our, in right. our natural resources. But, and I mean, I don't want to put you on the spot. I, it's my understanding that knapweed 
grows like regular plants and, and propagates with seeds. Mm -hmm. And each one of those pods has up to a couple of thousand seeds in them. Uh, several hundred to a thousand seed in each seed pod that comes from a flower. And there are lots of flowers. It's not... When it's in full bloom, it's not that ugly of a plant. It's got a, kind of a pretty purple flower, but it, it's evil in all of its uh, other works. And then also it propagates really well uh, through root buds, from what I understand, which is part of the reason why it's just so difficult to eliminate. Unless you get every little bit of it out, you, you really are fighting, like we said, an ongoing battle. In uh, here in Laramie in particular, one of the... Uh, primary ways that people would get rid of knapweed would be to burn it out, but we don't really dare do that here because of the wind situation. We don't want to light our house on fire. So what approach... Uh, I, oh, and I think you left yourself out of the conversation when you said a lot of the work being done. I saw you doing a lot of mowing with a big big old honking weed mower and just rocking out with your headphones and you know during the summer when it was viable to mow that stuff down before it went to flower and so we can keep it down and make it use all of its energy just to keep coming back and that's part of that so other than your mowing efforts and not just Nina everybody's you know that has done that what are we doing to beat this monster back Sure. So to add a little uh, technical clarification, so Russian knapweed is a creeping herbaceous perennial um, of foreign origin that reproduces from seed and vegetative root buds. So exactly as you mentioned, it kind of works on all, it fires on all fronts and is a really aggressive plant. Um, it forms dense single species stands um, and it's ecologically destructive. Um, so this is something you do not want and there are tons of bureaus of land management that are trying their best to attack this and there's kind of no single method that seems to be the most effective so really our plan uh, moving forward would have to be just a barrage of long dedicated efforts to kind of remove this knapweed so um, just a little more detail for every single shoot there's a uh, 50 to 500 seeds that exist and they're viable in soil for up to three years so those individual wow. seeds they are viable in the soil for up to three years um, and they expand rapidly it grows in clay sandy and rocky prairies um, and then the seeds are viable with uh, up to three years but they can remain dormant for a, a lot um, an excuse me um, an additional eight years Oh, Jesus. So it really is kind of an all-hands-on-deck. Like, this is a long-term project that we aren't going to tackle in maybe two or three years. This is going to be, like, a long-standing effort. Um, so, and I, I also really want to highlight Derek's efforts on this because I think he really kind of led the charge when it comes to um, firing on all, all cylinders. So our best approach would be ultimately to stress out this napweed until it uh, decides that this land is no longer viable. Um, and so that would mean depriving its, uh, its root systems of nutrients. So something that um, we did over the summer was just kind of like mowing the front lawn, mowing the sides, trying to get it as little as possible. But that also comes with the risk of just kind of spreading seed further, especially as these plants start to bolt and then they hyper-produce their seeds. So once we were able to kind of trim it down, um, we chose to use um, like a vinegar approach, so using 40% vinegar, which is extremely acidic to kind of burn the, the top soil 
um, and the leaves and the vegetation with the hope that some of that vinegar would seep into the soil and um, also attack some of the roots. The benefit is you rinse that soil off and in like five to six days that soil's back to normal, but the roots will have suffered. Um, and then what Derek was kind enough to do on top of that was to layer like a black plastic and place some items to maintain that. So then we have kind of like a little microbiome cooking uh, those, those Russian uh, knapweed roots, again, to kind of deprive them of nutrients so that they don't have access to the sun, they're not getting watered, their soil is now extremely acidic, so it's, it's compromising the roots. Um, and then other folks might use biological controls. There are certain beetles that you can release into your environment that can affect the Russian knapweed, but we chose not to pursue that just because we wouldn't know the ecological repercussions um, and how it might affect this particular biome. Um, there are herbicides that folks might use, but they contain chemicals that, you know, personally we felt really kind of violate any relationship we have with the earth and that compromise a lot of organisms' health, so we'd rather not pursue that. Um, and I just want to point out, we live on our aquifer, that's why Roundup and these other uh, herbicides that Nina was mentioning are not really an option. Uh, you know, you, you think our water's hard now. Just add some Roundup and see what happens. Um, anyway, please continue. Uh, no, absolutely, which is definitely concerning. So we've kind of defaulted to uh, vinegar and salt solution that was sprayed, I believe, a couple times. And then as we move into winter, now that it's colder, we're kind of just leaving it covered, um, letting it suffer to the best of its ability. And the plan would be just retreatment. Um, so starting in the spring, we would have to um, initiate the the, uh, the vinegar treatments again. Uh, moving into summer, it would be uh, mowing down the Russian knapweed, just kind of continuing the cycle uh, for the foreseeable future, really. And um, so I think working in tandem with trying to uh, like increase the value of our soil while also eradicating the knapweed uh, would be really the best approach because if we can lessen the stability of the Russian knapweed, that might encourage some more like indigenous or native plants to the area to come back in, and that's going to encourage more animals to return. And just as we increase that diversity, that will hopefully usher in a healthier uh, state for our, our environment. Derek, what do you have to say about knapweed? Um, throughout our land manage or land use planning meeting, we'll probably be throwing out ideas for other things that we can be doing, such as like um, building whatever structures for whatever um, things we want to be doing. And we could think about like, is it is it a bad idea to like where the stands are prioritize building on top of them there? With that, I don't know if that would prevent them from spreading elsewhere. I think that's definitely something to take in, into consideration. I think my only fear would be like it also just spreads by root. So I don't uh -huh. know if there will ever be like a way to just like sit on it and capture it in that spot. Yeah, I think it'll just always be itching it's, to spread. So yeah, out I don't know if doing that would make it so like it's going to be shooting roots out from like underneath whatever structure. Exactly. I'm thinking of the greenhouse. Have it harder to even well, I'm also yeah. thinking of the Quonset hut where Napwe grew up through a crap, a crack, a crack in the Q hut. But what I think you're saying there is useful because when you have you certainly if you take out a big plotus knapweed that stops the seeds from propagating and then you're just dealing with the roots uh, the root system propagating and in addition to applying the vinegar solution i believe that derek did a test patch where he uh turned it over with a pickaxe so that we could get to the roots more deeply uh, and intimately as it were with the uh with the vinegar solution so that's a lot of work a lot of manual 
hard labor. And this is this is why they call it a part of the reason why it's a permaculture plan because we need to come up with a permanent solution, and it doesn't just happen overnight. Um, does anybody want to add to our discussion on napweed uh, mitigation and elimination, Marco? Yeah. So, so to clarify, the the forest of weeds that was out front, like this high that was defeating the mower, that's Russian napweed. Correct. Mostly, yes. All right. So what we're talking about is the lawns, number one, and the the garden beds, number two. Is that correct? Um, so really, it's most of the land. I would say most of the vegetation that we see out here at this point has been converted to Russian knapweed. In the front half, at least. In the front half. Back the back the half. Pad, back to the coop, to the back fence of the coop, you know, this wow. before that fence line, like a large amount. All those thick patches, like any of the really like thick kind of straight patches I, you'd see. They had the purple, purple flowers. flowers on them. Like thistles yeah, kind okay. of. Okay, all right, so I mean, I, um, I was shocked that after that initial round of mowing happened, it got kind of quiet out there. Like, uh, I don't like. I don't think it needs mowing now. And I think the last mowing was several months ago. I don't know. It's just a change of the seasons or whatever. Well, now but, the winter coming out. Yeah. Right. I mean, so just just the making sure the place is mowed would solve it. Yeah. Well, if we can do actually mowing before it ever produces seed, always we have to check every patch of area on the land, like. Not let it be over just goes because it's fast. Like, I mean, it'll grow multiple times between mowings, like just a drizzle and it will regrow, you know? So like this year, especially it was really wet, like hanging on later into the season, so everything kept regrowing a bunch. Uh, but then again, it's a perennial, so maybe because it did seem like the nap we kind of stopped regrowing at some point, like before a lot of other stuff stopped regrowing, like a lot of other stuff still shoot up, but uh, like random grasses, but um, yeah, it's a perennial, so it's just like effectively fruiting or flowering every, every year. Uh, but yeah, if we can mow it every year, all the time, before it ever produces seed at least, and then just be trying to prevent it from spreading by, like, spreading outwards, it will help at least. That's like a way to keep a handle on it. We can at least, yeah, because the seed spreading must be the by far more rapid. Like out here, like that field just got taken by a couple years of seeds just blowing from each successive harvest, you know, like over across the field and just <clears throat> rained on and boom, because... Yeah, because like mint, I mean, mint grows really fast, overtakes garden beds easily within a year, I mean, with huge root networks and stuff, so do, it is crazy. Do any animals yeah. eat it at all? Um, like, are the cows eating it? No. So it's, it's come up in conversation, I know. There are some, uh, and I'm sure it'll come up uh, a little later, like the desire to add animals to the mix. Um, so I believe it is yes, horses and cows, it's completely noxious. So yeah. if they eat too much of it, they will fall ill and potentially die. Yeah. Some goats um, can tolerate it, but they will not like actively yeah. eat it when they're grazing. They will pick everything and leave it for last. Mm -hmm. And even then it's kind of difficult to encourage them too. And then I believe it was also the same with pigs where they will kind of, there's no choice, but it runs the risk of also making them ill, um, but they also just don't really enjoy eating it. So it, it's kind of, it's, it's definitely found its home here. It's found a good spot. Yeah. What about goats again? I'm sorry. Um, goats find it noxious as well. Um, they tend to not really graze on it. So they won't. They would really help it, yeah. Unless it's yeah, an absolute... Survive, oh, they would eat it as survival. Yeah, yeah. yeah. if there was die. nothing left, but... <laughs> I'm reminded of a, uh, an experiment that they conducted in Utah on a different noxious weed, ragweed, 
where they sprayed it with molasses and then had cows eat it and the cows ate it and they figured they would just train the cows. The cows went back the next year to the ragweed patch and wouldn't eat the ragweed. They're like, where's the molasses? So uh, I think that's part of the problem. But I think that we need to talk a little bit more about the introduction of native species to help push back on that. We have a grass that grows, this prairie grass, that grows in, in large, you know, basically clusters, uh, round clumps, that the knapweed doesn't grow around, doesn't grow in or through. Yes, sir. Uh, I, I, John. I, I wanted to say this earlier, and I don't want to just add more negativity, but the knapweed is absolutely everywhere on this property. There's nowhere I have been that I have not identified knapweed. This area between the back of our row of houses and kind of over by the Q hut is probably where it's the most intense. Yeah. But everywhere back there, there is knapweed. I have seen the knapweed coming up straight through those clumps of prairie grass. Okay. So it really is everywhere. So it really intense, is everywhere. But, but if we oh, can yeah. make the soil better, we can start to give some competition to the knapweed. Because, like you said, it literally poisons the soil mm -hmm. so that other stuff won't grow around it. And this is, I mean, it is just... The, uh, a capitalist of a plant, uh, and it really is nasty stuff. And like the, I mean, the areas where it's like really widespread, like those big thick patches, used to have those bunch grasses. I'm sure. Right. You know, like it's big enough areas that like there used to be everywhere else. The bunch grasses are at least there's small clearings, but they at least are widespread throughout. So they have to have been choked out by the knapweed. The only thing I'd say to that being like largely seems like native plants are like will are the things that can be out competed by it most easily. But uh starting vigorous like of certain type type of plants in general, I'm sure it will help. Especially things like as we get to now being able to start things that are not just low line like we're not because we're not just talking about like prairie regeneration or whatever, we're talking about like forming landscape that is non prairie. And like I said, it's like clay, sandy, whatever type soils, like, you know, like for like underneath the forest in the mountains, it's not growing under pine needles and stuff, presumably, or whatever, like, or somehow in, in some environments, it doesn't spread to or whatever. Okay. But I don't know about all that, not to say it couldn't overtake like a mound that was covered in trees, but regardless, it's not going to kill a tree that's pretty well established, I assume, like the roots are not deep enough. So if we could be growing bushes and trees that are up above it too, like stuff to like shade patches out and stuff like that, like... I think to eventually create like a canopy with shade and like an actual thick layer of different type of soil would probably be the way that it would not grow back. But that's years and years in the future. To get to that point, you need to have it not overtaking soil mounds as it's happening and stuff. Um, I think, oh, this is what I was thinking before I forget real quick though. One thing we could look into is how far will it spread underground in, in seeking new light or whatever, you know, how far will it spread? Because like what Derek said about building on top of it, if we could potentially cut it down, cover over with thick layers of plastic or whatever, but like bury it actually like under a thing where there's no light anymore, like a building or whatever, you know, and gravel also, like packed gravel or something, um, is underneath. Like maybe if it's far enough to the edge of the building or something, you know, because it's like over each year it's spread a foot, if I'm sure it could go far. But it must be a thing that eventually it can't just get itself out of any dark corridor or whatever. Like, if it gets completely buried under something, then... All right. 
I, 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 I agree. So what I think... Because even mounds, sorry, mounds oh, on top also. Mounds you can get big enough huge mounds on top that actually cover over the area big enough and like maybe, I don't know, not realistically, but be hard. So it I just seems... want to say where our, Matt, our, just for the sake of, of time yeah. uh, allocation, uh, that we're, we ju it just turned 11, it's 11.03. Uh, we have a little less than an hour okay. left. Um, and uh, we I know that we have a lot of uh, aspirational things that are kind of in the works as well. So I want to put room to, to all of that. We're, we're just ending the NAPWE discussion now. And basically to sum up, we're taking a multi-pronged approach of uh, literally exfoliating, defoliating, we're not shaving skin off here, uh, defoliating the NAPWE through mowing and other means, uh, poisoning it with a high concentration of vinegar, which is highly acidic. It burns if you let it touch your skin, uh, covering uh, in order to deprive it of nutrients, and then also on the other end, soil rehabilitation, and hopefully over time the uh, reintroduction of native plants of some sort that can fight back. And I think this is an important thing for us to keep a good progress track on because it would be nice to have a success story, even if it takes a long time, to share with other people. Our finances went from regularly precarious to basically okay. We need better long-term planning and to make our pay-in system, which is where people pay in based on what their ability to pay, more comfortable and uh, mutually affirming. And we need more accountability to it in terms of communication between the financial committee and uh, members and residents. There's still a lot to fix, clean, and systematize uh, all across the property but a whole lot less than there was a year ago. At one point this year, we had four people on the property. Uh, we now have 16 um, plus. Earlier, we had had six on the property. Uh, in general, we went from having very few to very many people. Uh, we created committees the first time that we've been able to do that because it doesn't make sense to create committees that every single person is going to be on because there's four to six of you. Uh, we began 2021 and we actually, in our retreat last year, asking questions about labor and ability, the notion of ability and the notion of disability, and whether it was right to ask so much of ourselves. And we never answered that question satisfactorily, in my opinion, but we ask it still and we dwell on it much more often than we did. And we have dispersed the power around work as much as I think we've been able to so far. And obviously we could do better. The hope was that that was what the committees would achieve. We had an ongoing swamp gas problem in the basement that we purportedly solved. And we made other similar repairs that maybe people, if people feel moved to talk about them as a sense of accomplishment, um, then, then they can. Uh, so Jana Ludwig and Sarah Ewing both left. Uh, and that exacted a great emotional and resource cost in their leaving. Uh, we undertook an initial investigation of an organization called NASCO and also other sources of information and resources about what we eventually want to do with the property and which we will discuss during the retreat. Uh, and then we started establishing contact with folks and 
we'll, you know, over the course of these few minutes, I'll mention everyone uh, that ended up coming. Um, you know, one thing that we established actually pretty early this year in February actually was contact with Jordy and Madison. We received many generous financial gifts at a very tight time, especially early in the year before everybody uh, got here. We also received many pieces of furniture and other useful things. People continue to be very supportive of what we do and very happy to support us. It makes them feel good to support us. So some of the things that we've been doing are a number of events. Because of ongoing COVID, we did not have as many events here. I think we had a brunch here at one time and we've had people over in really contingent ways and kind of ad hoc ways. Uh, but when we first started out, we used to have, we had events here with like 20 and 30 people at one point. Uh, we had music, we had concerts and stuff like that before COVID hit. So who knows what that world is going to look like, the world to come is going to look like with ongoing variations of, of that. Uh, our podcasts, um, our total number of podcasts since we started podcasting in 2018 is we've had 11,400 downloads of those podcasts. We had 3,000 downloads this last year. Uh, that sounds like a lot, and it, it is a lot, um, but it's down from previous years where we've had almost twice that, like the year before, but still really impressive numbers. We platformed really important things. Uh, and a wide variety of things that are generally considered to be of importance to the left. Uh, like uh, everything from the Wyoming Red Star Coalition's reading group on Paulo Freire, uh, to the work of Bertolt Brecht, uh, to a wage forum, a Fight for 15 forum, that was basically a, 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 a sort of statewide uh, town meeting that we hosted along with DSA, uh, a number of other uh, uh, serious things like that and interviews with people that were making a difference locally and, and nationally and internationally. But we also platformed fun and important things like artists like, uh, or fun things like, uh, uh, art, you know, uh, like Hannah Ruth and the mystery flesh pit guy, which was our most successful single episode ever. Uh, thanks to Sarah and Damien. Derek and I both wrote articles for the Cowboys on the Commons blog. Uh, that remains open for folks to write articles on cooperativism, basically, which also includes any kind of Marxism or other type of socialist or communist theory or whatever. We participated in a lot of other meetings and presentations, co-sponsoring uh, many of these events uh, with DSA and other organizations. We contracted with Wyoming Equality for storage, not only a good organization to be working with, but also a good idea for us that may end up leading to uh, greater success financially for us. Uh, we hosted a radical sing-along on July 4th, debuting our flag. We hosted a showing of Salt of the Earth and several other movies uh, happened here, more movies than we'd had in a long, long time. Um, and again, in the beginning, uh, we would show movies here and invite people in town to come and watch them. And they would be, you know, significant movies in some way or another. Sorry to bother you or, you know, old movies about, you know, things or, or horror movies. Because we're also, you know, many, so many of us are interested in horror. We started playing games together again. That was fairly late in the year for me, but 
that's really important. Uh, we had a chance to test our conflict resolution process, which went uh, about 150 times better than the last time we had had a chance to test our conflict resolution process the year before. Everybody's still here. And then kind of leading up to this retreat, we resolved in this retreat to reassess our norms and to create a charter and to talk about our material future and whether or not we should exist. We had a bunch of visits. Just a few of them came uh, in Hartwell Herrera, uh, Nina and John, who then came back, Sarah, who then came back, Sketchy Dude, <laughs> Alexis Litsky, who came and did some art and talked about art here, uh, Marco, who stayed, uh, Kali twice, including joining us for the Salt of the Earth party, uh, Emma, whose journey into investigative blogger and artist is cool to see. Uh, Jade, right? Was Jade the other person that stayed with us? Uh, Eric McEwen stayed with us, the musician from Denver. We celebrated uh, a lot of people's birthdays here uh, with key lime pie at one point. Uh, there was key lime pie at one party. I think it was Sean's. I want to say it was Sean's. And I'm just going to say key lime pie as a, just to get it into your into somebody's heads. That's what I've got. Um, and I'm trying to be cognizant of the time, too. I was going to uh, read something else, but maybe I'll read it into the record um, on our recorder later. Uh, it's just I posted something on Facebook and a bunch of our supporters posted some really, really supportive comments and very loving comments uh, about what again kind of what they perceive as the importance of what we've done um and so lots to feel good about lots to be concerned about we're all terrified of what we're doing even though uh we are having actually stunning success as i said to people uh earlier this week if we were a nonprofit, like a state registered nonprofit, and we put in the kind of annual report that listed accomplishments like that they, we would be ranked as a pretty successful nonprofit, And so I think we managed to do a lot of real good. That doesn't mean we should keep doing it. That doesn't mean it's in our interest to keep doing it. But at the very least, if we are wondering about whether or not we generate external good, I think that it's obvious that we generate external good. All we have to do is list all of the number of resource sharing things that we do, all of the number of anytime we disseminate information of any kind, those kinds of things, organizing support, all of that stuff. Uh, that's me speaking from the heart. Don't know if I want to keep doing it. Think it's really fucking awesome that we're doing it. That's what I've got. And I would ask if other people have stuff they want to contribute or stuff that stands out in terms of things that we did this year um, and things that we think we've struggled with this year. We could consider how different the basement and the Kwanzaa hut and the greenhouse look now versus a year ago. Absolutely. Huge improvements there. Um, significant improvements to the property, the landscaping. Um, but I'm, I'm most excited about the finances actually, because that's pretty, pretty cool. Um, I feel like the greater connection with people, especially amongst the political side of chatting about it, considering all the neat stuff we did this year, of course. Uh, <clears throat> uh, like that cookout was very fantastic, great way to interact with the community and all around Southeast Wyoming. Great to meet people that were in Cheyenne to do that. I forgot to mention yeah. the, the cookout 
the DSA cookout because I had sort of sh- sort of filed it into DSA instead yeah. of us, but we all helped. We all helped make it happen, so that that was great. I also really love the implementation of um, pointing back games, like especially board games, back on the table because I was kind of concerned. <laughs> I guess you want to do because that's a long one. Uh, I love how the fact that even, I was kind of surprised in the onset they've got so many board games, but I never saw a single game like for my time when I first got here for the first two months. And I was like, I really thought it'd be a great way to connect with people, especially in city. With my after like a good like forty minutes of talking, I would just shut down and put on my phone and just like play around with it and. The fact that we have board games really gets me out of my shell because yeah, I love um, all the world building, especially with Jason's storytelling, besides the little oops that we have there with the name of the Roma people. <laughs> other than that, everything other than that, was, it was great. I hope to have more games. Um, I've actually been looking into get more games so we can put on podcasts. And seeing that map put down that D&D um, um, leftist and anarchist uh, adventures done with the gaming chat are really interested to see how that's going to be implemented especially since i is it like in the future base or is it still like like medieval kind of fantasy i haven't re- i have not read the fantasies okay. yet but it seems to me that they are medieval-ish medieval-esque fantasies somewhat anachronistic where uh you are fighting your boss the you know you're fighting like the merchants the rich merchants or Various uh, members of the ruling class of that time. So we're going uh, like agrarian, agrarian, this like agrarian yeah. revolution or something. I think, but I could be totally wrong. There's like 19 different yeah, adventures in I, this first thing, so maybe they're all different. I wish they had a, I, I wish they had a free version because I would love to check that out. But like, hell, um, once once we get it, like, great to read those. Models. We have it. Oh, we actually have it now. Oh, I didn't know they bought it yet. If anything, could you please share it on the gaming chat, Jason? Yeah. Oh, I have it. And you Jason ordered it? it. Fantastic. Yeah. I emailed it to you. Okay. Oh, sure. Yeah, but I'll share it on the channel. Yeah, because we're looking forward to reading some of the adventures because uh, there's going to be a lot of things I'd like to do in that. I'll upload it to a dr- to the drive and share it. Um, I also this is my last thing because I feel like I'm taking a lot of the spotlight, but I am grateful for um, the way you treated us when we first got in here. Uh, very opening. Um, do I wish every day that we talk is so great? It, that'd be amazing. But like, I was having a hard time always coming out of my shell and talking to people. That's why you should stay down playing my video games because that's how you should still feel safe. Um, other than that, I, I this community, um, I hope it lasts for a good amount of time because not only do I feel like it does great good, it also does prepare us for like uh, what I perceive like a a necessity in the modern day of capitalism to live the future you want to live. Uh, I, I feel like many people see the future as like, we get there eventually, but they don't live it. Like, mm-hmm. I want communism, but I want socialism, I want to do the community, but I don't want to talk to my neighbors, I don't want to do community organizing. I feel like this is a great way to be an example for other people to do the things they need to do. Because uh, like back in my community, when I was in the ghetto areas near Atlanta, it was a community, but it was very toxic. And I feel like um, as great as I love that, I feel like we need to relearn that like as a society and as a people so we can live better, healthy and less toxic lives. And I think that's it for me. 
And you may be taking an even deeper dive when we actually do check-ins. Yeah, we have to check-ins. Uh, I, I know, I, but I really appreciate that. I think we all really appreciate it. <laughs> no, what you said was Was there anything we forgot about in terms of the state of the commune? Bus uh, conversion, bus tiny house conversion. The is bus tiny house conversion. We at least acquired a bus to the property and uh, gutted it this year and next year, hopefully by... Like early spring, March or April, we'll have the bus turned into some livable type tiny house of some kind. Went underway. It's underway. And yeah. it went online even. So and it's people going got well. to see and hear about it. So, yeah, it, I mean, it's exciting. I definitely would be really, uh, will be really excited when it gets, you know, really moving. Yeah, for sure. We doubled our number of dogs. Yeah. <laughs> which is uh, good um, because. Dogs are good. All dogs are good. We also added to the number of cats. We added to the number of cats, but maybe not to the point of diminishing returns. <laughs> I just want to add on to the presence of the baby. I think it's brought a lot of hope and happiness uh, to the commune. And it's been a wonderful experience to enjoy watching her grow and develop over just the past six months. For us to be, we lived in an apartment in Laramie for a year before we came here. And I mean, we didn't make friends. Obviously, it was COVID time and it was just like uh, very isolating. But yeah, and I think we maybe take for granted. We both have lived somewhat good amount of alternative type uh, like lifestyles, like in different uh, groups or different types of housing and whatever. And um, but but for some one especially who hadn't really like coming here and having a family like we have it will be incredible feeling different than the mainstream way of it you know like really that is family, right? huh? yeah like the nuclear family yeah instead right. of like a nuclear family dynamic that even people don't even have now but still try to uphold so like people like us just living in some apartment with the family and having only each other to interact with almost completely and being like weighed down by the burden of the children in so many ways rather than just able to enjoy it and be uh, thriving in it. Like, yeah, Derek will hold Lilia, watch Lilia, even just for like minutes worth of hair to what it would be without that, you know? Uh, communal dinners, like that is something that has helped my life like greatly. Yeah. For sure. Like financially and yeah, a lot less to worry about with that, and I like you want to really appreciate it. Um, some recipes I never even knew existed, so that definitely helps a lot. Nicer, a personizer, and uh, yes, your, your your reputation precedes you. You have gathered at the Boundless Bunny Inn for drinks to catch up on old times. When enters the bar a striking and reserved uh, high elf female with long blonde hair. And you immediately recognize her as the mayor of, and I probably have to change the name now because I, I couldn't remember the exact name of the village, but Clear Valley, well, it's not that important. Bright Cove, that's what it is. It's something like that. Yeah, light, bright, clear, whatever. Bright Cove. <laughs> and suddenly, in walks 
Lily Bell Sunwig. Look. The mayor of the town, the high elf, <clears throat> which I aforementioned. They have been re-elected as mayor several times, partly due to their compassionate nature, you've learned, and partly because they tend to be the only one that isn't afraid to stand up to the Gootless family. <clears throat> the fact that their attempts to negotiate for higher magic quotas from the Gootless family have inevitably failed has not diminished their popularity. Here we are. Let me go She walks in and 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 uh, says, "Oh, excellent! I was informed that your group was here. I'm so glad to see many of our well-respected." And she gives you a leer. Uh, members of the community have returned, and uh, they just call me sometime. Uh, and then. Uh, <laughs> They give you a leer, I should say, not she. They give you a leer. And uh, that you've been here, I was informed that you were, and I wanted to lay our plight at your feet as members of the community. I'm sure you know that, uh, having grown up here, that uh, the magic we require is in continuously ever-diminishing supply, and that the Gutless family is uh, bogarting all the magic. And we need you to retrieve the source of that magic, which we all know is the green stone. I have had my scouts and uh, several farmers working on this. And she puts a map down in front of you. One second, I gotta get to, get to the map. Come on. There we go. Appendix A, map. There we go. Okay. And then she puts this map down in front of you. Which you're going to take a look at here real quick. We believe... Now keep in mind this map is not 100% accurate. It's based on memory uh, from years of travel ago and, and recent efforts... Um, however, we believe that this shows the potential location of where Marvin Gutlis, the only current living member and lord of the Gutlis family, is uh, with the Greenstone. And we need you to retrieve the Greenstone and... Also, very much, we would like to have uh, Martin uh, Gutlis taken alive so that he can stand trial for his crimes. And also because we need to know how... Bless you. How the green... Well, there's too much hocus smoke in this tavern. Um, how... Uh, and there's a caterpillar in the corner. How... <laughs> The green stone magic so works. Funny. <laughs> what happened? After Jason sneezed, Chewy coughed. Yeah. <laughs> Imitative. We're we're in a we're in a tavern, um, and uh, so please uh, take him alive. You'll see that there are two paths that you can go by. Two wolves. 
Um, Everyone has two wolves. One leads through the as uh, a as a, a well trodden path used by uh, Gutless's guards to travel f- back and forth from his uh, manor uh, to uh, retrieve uh, goods and such, and uh, is frequently patrolled by. Uh, large groups of guards. The other one is a wooden trail with which you, Juniper, are very familiar, having grown up as a true wood child um, and always playing uh, deeper in the woods than anybody else dared tread. And so you are quite familiar with the uh, with the wooden trail, the trail through the woods. Excuse me, it's not made up wood. It's a trail through the woods that leads potentially to a location where they believe... Gutlis will be holed up with the greenstone. Yeah, my mother often yelled at me saying, don't get too close to that family's house. And then they caught me once. Good reason. (laughs) Um, And it was a shame when her tree burned down the other day. But, um... (laughs) All right. (laughs) (laughs) Can I have my tablet back, please? Thank you. In the future... I will print out things like this since we yeah. have a printer, and then you can have a copy. Um, I was just uh, need to re like re. Susan, uh, I love the oral oh. history version of this. Just so, just saying, this is real, like this is really cool. I, I yeah, Jason's good doing good tonight. Yeah, I'm sorry. Get a little liquor in me. Is uh, DMing like a champ tonight? I can edit that yes, if people. I get asked to edit. <laughs> okay, so now. She says that, uh, they say, excuse me, they, uh, Sunwig, they say that, uh, as you know, the village is very poor uh, materially right now because of the uh, bounties that Googlies' family extracts from us every year. So we cannot afford to pay you, but as you are hometown heroes, we hope that you will be willing to take on our cause and seek out the Greenstone so that we may be freed from the tyranny of the Gutless You mean heroes and criminals. <laughs> <laughs> you say I'm a criminal. I'm a personizer. Criminal. You're a criminal. You'll be a criminal. You'll be. You, we will officially welcome you as a criminal in the family of our village. I was gonna say, oh, can I be the first, like the? Wait, what would it be the equivalent of the first lady for the mayor? Oh my god. Um, lady <laughs> mayor. Yeah. No, it's Lord Mayor and his wife, Lady, uh, the Lady of Sh- First Lady of Chicago. I guess they always do that. Okay, just say I'm a Lord Slut. <laughs> that. You're gonna be what? Lord Slut. A Lord you, Slut. You, you'd be the first gentleman. <laughs> the first gentleman of the city of uh, the village of uh, Bright Cove. Now, so, I'm, in, I'm inclined to let um, Damien um, get the job done and then be as villain as he wants to be. Be the villain. No. So what we're having here now, she uh, once again admonishes you to please. They, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. They admonish you to please refrain, if at all possible, from killing anyone. Remember that members of the guard, most of them used to be your neighbors and friends growing up, and may very well be in that position, either because they like stuffing you in a locker as a child. Or because of economic duress. Okay, okay. But if we're... Yeah, what if I hate them? Wait, hate one person no. specifically. Like, what yeah, if I hate Jeffrey Dahmer? When it comes Dahmer? to shove... 
if push comes to shove and you must defend yourselves, then you will do what you need to do. But I would uh, encourage you to please avoid murdering your fellow bright Covians. Can I suplex them to help? You have two questions? <laughs> Can I suplex them, though? What's suplex? You don't know what a suplex is? When you pick dumb. them up yeah. like this and then you drop them on your knee or you slap them on the mat. You're going to disable that? No, a su- no, no, that's a different one. No, a suplex would be more... Well, you oh, yeah, you where do- you pick them up and you go back like that. And oh. yeah, on them. It's a WWF move. Yeah. You still use WWF? WWE. They lost that lawsuit. I know, yeah, they lost Yeah, that. To yeah. the fucking, like... Wait, what? To, no, the, they- to the World Wildlife Federation that's been around forever. <laughs> I, I pay attention to the news. No, I'm okay. like, what lawsuit happened? There the WWF, the real one, the World Wildlife yeah. Federation, sued what is now the WWE and said, you can't use WWF as your logoing and as your marketing yeah. and your name because we are the WWF and we've had pandas, which are bears, by the way, on our homepage before there were homepages. So go away. And they lost the WWE, lost the lawsuit, and... They had to rename themselves. Ah, one of your fun facts. So now it's World Wrestling Extreme as opposed no, World to World Wrestling Entertainment. Oh, World Wrestling Entertainment as opposed to World Wrestling Federation. If you want to hear a fun fact, the WWF has funded terrorist organizations to maintain pro- terrorist organizations and other criminal enterprises to maintain their properties where they keep animals safe. Nice. <sighs> Commit the terrorism. Yeah, yeah. They'll, they'll they'll pay like they'll pay like drug organizations to like guard their land. <laughs> That's kind of basic. Like, there. you're allowed, like, you can traffic your drugs through here, but uh, you also have to protect the elephants or something like that. <laughs> Sounds pretty basic, Yeah. Line. Either way. Okay, so. Just my phone. It now falls to you to decide to take up the villager's cause, and if so, to choose which route you will follow. Will you go along the guard trail, running the risk of encountering guards, or will you. Brave the unknown in the wilderness trail that few have traveled uh, recently and are is known really well to but one of you. I say, if it's fine with everybody else, we go down the unknown path. Because I'm sorry, but like the main trail is where they're going to be expecting us to go. Can't have the capitalists knowing what we're thinking. <laughs> I also don't want to be Stacy because I like... And also my best friend Bart became one of the guards. Poor bastard. (laughs) And I also don't want to look too Stacy because I did something with her mom and I don't think she would feel good. You know like Stacy's mom? She's got 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 (laughs) Yeah, you've definitely been with a few of the guards. (laughs) And and their family. (laughs) And possibly the cousins. (laughs) In one way or another, either in handcuffs or... Uh, no, they're sitting in handcuffs. Yeah, the, yeah. <laughs> handcuffs are not mutually exclusive. Thank you very much. All right, Alistair. This is not uh, your first ha- time going to jail. Oh, no, have you ever had any unknown kids, Alistair? <laughs> Giggity. <laughs> okay, so what is your decision then, group? Will you follow the forest trail or will you take the guard trail? The forest trail for me. You have to. I have to. <laughs> Too many faces. Oh, what do you say? I, uh, <laughs> does my uh, bardic intuition uh, give us any sort of uh, you You know many of the guards, and while some of them are decent fellows, you know uh, at least two of them to be uh, just obnoxious bullies. Bullies? Okay. Yeah, and people that actually, I mean, while Brightco is a very friendly village, every village has its idiots. 
Sure, sure. That's my role. I'm the village idiot. In reality, in reality, I am the village idiot. Uh, only when you uh, sing, or I don't know what. Whatever that is um, that you try to do. Or no, is it your jokes? I can't remember. Uh, so, uh, yes, so I, that, that is all your intuition tells you. That you you know that there the guards will um, be unpleasant. Yeah. Let's uh, let's not take let's not take the guard road. Think it'll Especially save us since all. you recall to the group that remember we're not supposed to kill anybody. Oh, we're not supposed to kill anybody if you can avoid it. If we can avoid it, yeah, folks. Except for family, they'll just get the severely family. poisoned. And I immediately uh, write a little ditty. Uh, we're on an adventure, not supposed to kill anybody. Castaways. We are castaways. We are castaways. Already in Pass down. I. I mean, I, I'll do one better. I know. I, I have memorized a mystery lifeguard. Oh, why? Which is no. the weirdest song on that whole series. On that same, I think it's that same. Which, might be that same. Or it might not be that. Speaking same of which, song. have you seen the series, like YouTube series, Centricide? Oh, no. You, you need to watch it. It's funny. So, cool. as you begin your journey down the path, you enter the forest on an old, long disused trail through the woods, which happens to begin near one of, well, your old childhood home. The burned out tree. Damn. <clears throat> the woods you've known for years seem strangely imposing and dark now that you're entering them with the purpose of retrieving the greenstone. The quiet of the evergreen trees that you're so used to has lifted just slightly as if the trees and creatures of the forest could feel what you intend to do and approve. The old trail is as overgrown as it's always been, used only by adventurous children, game, and the occasional forager. As you walk deeper into the thicket, leaves and twigs brush against your arms and legs, and occasionally when your shoulders jostle a rare flowering plant, a sweet, fresh smell fills the quiet air around you. Ahead of you, the forest mm. seems dark, with the only lighter area being the trail you've decided to follow. Again, you can't shake the feeling that the forest is watching your quest with approval. Hey, Forrest. So what do you do? I don't know. You should ask me. Um, Do you continue down the trail or do you venture from the trail? Why would we venture from the trail again? I'm a person. I'm a person. Wait, so I only know the one trail. Like, I don't know anything past that, do I? Well, I was just going to ask you to roll a 20-sided die and add your wisdom modifier to it. I got a shitty wisdom modifier. 14 plus 3, 17. Excellent. Nice. As you are going down, you, re- you you suddenly remember a second older trail that branches off the one that you are currently traveling upon. Nice, nice. And it seems to lead to a slightly different location than that which is indicated by the villager's map. All right, do we feel comfortable now that I remember? <laughs> yeah. Know. All right, let's go down the second trail. So you 
What do you do? Do you continue on the more well-trodden path or the one that is less well-known? Because, like, you said that the one we know has, like... Wait, didn't you say something about there being, like... I don't want to say a barrier because it's not accurate, but, like... Okay, remind me again what's up ahead about of the normal trail. Um, the old trail is as overgoing it has always been, used only okay. by adventurous children, uh, game, and the occasional forester. Yeah. Forager, excuse me. As you walk deeper into the thicket, leaves and twigs brush against your arms, blah, 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 Joshua Frell smell through your mouth. Ahead of you, the forest seems dark, with the only lighter area being the trail you decided to follow. I say we should stick to the normal path, because, like, if we're in the lighter areas, we could be easily spotted. Don't y'all agree? Mm-hmm. And you know something about going out the back door and going out the hidden path, don't you, Alistair? I just could call me Ali now. <laughs> okay, well... So, regular I'm path. Sh- you're gonna go along the regular path. Well, yes. then you continue to travel along the regular path for about an hour... And at which point you have uh, noticed that the forest thins out a bit and you come to a stream that is approximately six feet wide. What do you do? It's, you know this stream, you know that on you now it would be waist high. Okay. Hmm. But that didn't stop you from swimming in it as a child. Okay, what... Nothing. Do you think everybody would be able to, like, pass through just fine? Because wouldn't it apply to dexterity? <clears throat> Might I remind you that you have two halflings in Wait, your group oh. that are three feet tall? Oh, yeah, I forgot about yeah, that. Yeah, you guys are <laughs> tiny. Okay, tiny so for the, for the two of us that are tall, we should take y'all, put y'all on our shoulders, That's and walk across. Who's the halfling? You're the halfling. You have, Wait, I'm a half elf. No, I'm a half elf. Oh, I thought you. Wait, no, I'm a wood. I'm, I yeah, I'm a wood elf. Okay, I thought we had. Two, I thought you said we had. Two, oh, you're a halfling. You're yeah. a stout. And I'm a the other kind. Yeah, you're a lightfoot. Lightfoot. She's a stout. So yeah, y'all two should be on our elf. shoulders. No, yeah, I'm a wood elf. A wood elf. That's right. You're. I thought you were. Yeah, that's right. You're a wood elf. You're the half elf. No, I'm the tiefling. Oh, you're the tiefling without wings. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So like. You Since we're tall enough that it's waist high, you. y'all uh, would have to get on our shoulders so that y'all don't, like, drown. Took you in, despite your chaotic and somewhat deviant ways. So, yes, um, My deviant you, ways you, you have realize been that half of your party is half of the height necessary to cross this stream. Um, what do you do? We have to carry one of them. So like, yeah, we have to carry them on. Okay, our who's the heaviest then? Because I am not going to tell you. You're that not would that probably strength. be your you have more strength than I do. Who has uh, scale mail armor on? <laughs> How, surely there's something I can do. Let you have to take my, the heavier person. You have 13. I have here. eight. Thirteen what? Strength. Oh yeah, true facts. We've got you weak. We're all weak, honestly. Except- Roll a 20-sided dice and give me a, your wisdom modifier attached to it. <laughs> Five plus three for wisdom. A three? Five plus three. You eight. eight. Damn, bruh. You, you remember that the, the stream, while uh, swift at the beginning of the season, um, is not so much so... Later on, uh, as the year progresses, because it's not receiving as much snow melt, 
True. And uh, it is midsummer at this point in time. Hmm. So it shouldn't be that bad. But I'm still weak. If so, I have to carry the lightest. Person. Can we just throw the he- like a person? Oh, yeah, Nobody tosses the- a dwarf or a half. I will. <laughs> I don't think you guys are and strong enough. To ca- are if you so can't carry us, I don't think you can. Yeah, if, if you if you're He'll stronger than me, just you could toss me. Oh, I see what you're saying. Here. You better have rope uh, on well, you. Well, part the water is a third I level druid spell, uh-huh. so <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> oh yeah, I could just eat you. Yeah, no, no. is strong. like theoretically, like. Uh, you, try, you could swim across. You could yeet everyone else and then swim across. Do you think you're like gonna survive? What's your strength <laughs> modifier? Uh, my strength modifier is plus two. Ah, damn. Yeah, that's, that's how it's almost as strong as me. I'm plus one, but like, yeah, I'm still thirteen. Well, I mean, you know, just because you get across the river once doesn't mean you couldn't go back to get somebody else across the river. Right? Okay, how about this? How about oh, this? Yeah, true. Since like you're weak. I mean, we're not talking about the fox, the grain, and the... Oh, God, I hate that. You know, getting across the river. But that's not the puzzle here. How dare you bring that up? Jesus, I have to Two halflings and two elves come to a river. (laughs) Finish the joke. Or a tiefling. A halfling, a tiefling, and an elf come to a river. No one's going out there. And your your, your itty-bitty wings go... They they, they flap a little bit. It's like, oh, if only these were bigger, I could just fly myself across the river. (laughs) I still say, like, since you're strong enough, why don't you, like... He has tiny little wings that are, like, barely the size of Why don't you throw Matt's character over? One of us could help you across, and then I... (laughs) That's if you succeed. That's it, you're going. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so... So, are you going to attempt to cross the stream? Okay, yeah. yes. We're gonna... I, I'm going to attempt. Okay, I'm going to attempt so, to. But you, having, the having the courage because you have swam in this stream many times before, you are not at all concerned and you step into it. Um, however, I will need you to roll a 20-sided die for your acrobatics. Not Wait. Your acrobatics. Could you search for that angel? Yeah. You got a plus two. 18. Plus Very two. good. I don't care what your modifier is. You're just fine. Okay. You notice uh, that the rocks uh, are actually uh, covered with a bit more mold uh, and algae, and you make a uh, under- connection that, you know, it's been a lot warmer the last couple of seasons that uh, this is an abnormal amount of slippery vegetation on these rocks for this time of year. You mark it up to a potential change in the climate. It's all that burn in the rolling glass stuff. So, that's climate change in medieval times. You successfully navigate the river and do you inform your comrades of the state of the rocks below? Why not? There we go. So, so you now know that the rocks are quite slippery and that you should exercise extreme caution I'm gonna whilst you wade across the river. Roll a 20-sided dice for your acrobatics check with advantage because you now have information on the state of the rocks in the stream. So that means roll 20-sided dice twice, take the highest roll and add your acrobatics Check to it, okay? 12 is the highest, and plus 6, so that's... You rolled 220, you got a 12 plus what? Plus, uh, 12 plus 6. You are just fine. You, you you don't even really slip on the rocks at all, but you notice that, wow, these are some slippery rocks. 
Because <laughs> I know something you, else that's slippery suddenly as rocks. Remember that, Get out! You suddenly remember that philosophy is a Don't walk on the slippery rocks. And, uh, is it you, if he's, you, like, deter- you determined that Juniper's religion is a smile on a dog. And uh, you continue on your way. Wait, is he asking for it? So what are y'all going to do? I can't believe that you quoted Edie Raquel. I'm capable of doing that. I dare it. There are too many facets <laughs> in this man. Where's the one I was using? Anywho, so, Sarah? Yeah? You you know the rocks are slippery. Um, there is a bit of a, a, a fjord that'll let you keep your head above water if you cross on, the, on that sort of path of stones. But you're aware that they're very slippery. Mm. Or you can try and swim across. Can I just eat someone across instead? Yeah, just, just I'm going to eat, eat Matt across. You want to eat him? No, I'm yeet him. Eat, like, eat. throw him over the fucking... Yeet! Yeet. Um, I want to eat him with a rope over. Strength? strength. 15 plus 2. Okay, well, you, you, you could certainly try and do a hammer toss. If he's so, willing. If I, like, used my... If I sprung with my feet... As there, as 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 she is pushing me in the air, uh, in using the air, your acrobatic skills I, as a performer. Yeah, uh, sure. Well, you could certainly make an acrobatics roll with advantage then. So strength plus right. Well, no, I, you like dexterity you, because of the assist that you receive from your halfling fellow, you get to roll an acrobatics check with advantage, which uh-huh. means you roll two twenty siders and take the highest roll. And add your dexterity or acrobatics modifier to it. Um, what is the consequence of falling in the water? You would probably hurt yourself. <laughs> okay. You'll get damaged. Do a backflip. Damaged in some fashion. <laughs> Most likely, uh, since stones uh, can be sharp in places, you probably get poked a lot by sharp rocks. Your luck would have to be good enough to not hit them. Hey, the plus point is that I will say go once you make it. So, but you, by, by your awareness of the of the fact that it's slippery, that you really can't walk without your head just barely being on water. Uh, with your status stature, you 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 would be able to, however, make that attempt with you know, and using advantage on your dexterity acrobatics check. Well, first you have to do the strength check. with because you're tossing them. Or it sounds like you're. you're it sounds like the, the DM is conceding the strength check. Huh? Oh, you're conceding? Yeah, you I'm conceding the strength oh, okay. Because of the, the assist that she is providing, she's like, you know, hoisting him up where that uh, he gets the advantage on the roll. That's cool. that's the result of her assist. Uh, okay, let me um, grab up my... I just imagine you doing like the spin thing and just like... <laughs> and then like, yeah, no, you have to do this song, I believe I could... <laughs> Oh god, I would mm, I'd play that if it wasn't for oh, who sung it. Oh, we can't do that anymore. Oh. Wait, who sung it? R. Kelly? We cannot sing that song anymore. R. Kelly the child lover! <laughs> yeah. I forgot who wrote that song. I'm trying to think of a joke with that we can use with the R, R part. Uh... It's, uh, it's, yeah. <laughs> yes, don't... please, let us not sing any R. Kelly P.O. Well, we don't do it hey, hey, do Can I do a cover-up one? I am Dexter. That is simply not done. 16 Dexterity. Can we do a cover? Oh, no, you're acrobatics. Look at what your acrobatics modifier is. It's either plus no, three or it's, more, depending on... I mean, I could swipe to the right, and be like, this is and so y'all do pro- It's one of your proficiencies. I was just saying, if there's anyone on YouTube, plus do three. a cover-up. So it's plus three. Sure so is. roll two 20-siders, take the highest, and add three to it. Okay. Uh, 
Oh, 10, 13 is unfortunate. Okay, you you are able to leap across Woo-hoo. not the most artistic... Uh, you 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 are able to pull a, sk- a carry Scruggs at the end okay. and, uh, and 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 pull it out as impressively as you uh, yes look land like on a, the other side. He will look like uh, this little many Sonic. Many songs ball. will be written about this uh, as he spins my, like a Sonic bu- like bubble. Derek Jolly Sonic maneuver. So Sonic. Uh, what's your character's name again, sir? Third Grace. Third. Third Grid. Third Grace. Okay. Okay. So, do I get how do you choose to attempt your? No, we're doing milestones. Oh, that's right. Okay. Well, we did tie a rope to him, right? No. Damn it! <laughs> Fuck! He can throw a rope to you. He yeah, someone throw a rope to yeah, me. Now that we're on both sides, but do you have a rope though? Now that we're on both sides, we can I have all a kinds rope. of things we can get. Yeah. You know, tree so branches. You or... can throw a rope to her uh, to Thurgrave, or Thurgrave can throw a rope to you. Mm-hmm. So. Throw a rope. Somebody throws a rope. Catches it. Okay, between the three of you, you're able to catch the rope with on the first try instead of her having to throw it again. Um, nice. And so you're able to catch the rope. And now what do you do, Third Grave? You, you, you have a, at one end of the rope. They have the other end of the rope. Do you Good tie job. it to a tree? Do you tie it I'm to sure. yourself? Do you... I mean, you <laughs> could walk across and basket, make sure that Derek's snake yeah, 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 Pull a trick. I was just going to tie it to a tree. No, no tie it to yourself so I can pull you, and then I make a joke. What joke are you going to make, bunny? <laughs> just wait and see. What, what joke are you going to make, Allie? You remember that? You remember that like flashback in Family Guy when like when that like um fuck um Quagmire is pulling those little beads. And it's like we all know what's going on here. The kids don't know. What's going on. <laughs> <laughs> Dang it, I'm just gonna try to tree out a spike because we're not doing this shit. I don't think I want to know what's going on. Here. <laughs> you know what? That's all I'm gonna I say. Well, you know, the yep. DM, this little gnome sits okay. down on the tree above you and starts eating a piece of pizza, tapping his finger impatiently on the branch. The branch. Uh, this is just a public service announcement. Um, we need to let cops commit crimes. To prevent non-cops from committing crimes. Thank you very much, and have a good night. Yes. Finally, someone speaking sense around here. <laughs> this is like... What the fuck? <laughs> I'm confused. It's Who a, said that? It's, it's, I said it in response to uh, a Vox writer who says, who, uh, named German Lopez, who says... I used to ask criminal justice reformers what their political strategy was if crime rose again. I never got a satisfying answer. It shows how, as now, as the response to a spike in murders and shoplifting scare seems to be a mix of denial and whataboutism. Be a bitch. Yeah, so did you see that it, it was front page fucking news to Home Depot that like yeah. had this massive break-in. And I was like, and I was like, first of all, why is retail theft national headline news? Secondly, uh, there not there isn't a worker, uh, even a semi-conscious worker in this world that gives a fuck. uh, Honestly, they prefer like people who break in and steal shit over like like customers because they're like at least they just take the shit and leave. I have some bad news for you. 
There was this one lady I worked with who said if she ever caught a thief, she wanted to tie them up and punch them in the throat. Oh, yeah. No, that's it. That, no. Imagine the amount of Stockholm Syndrome you must have with your boss. Oh, yeah. One like, of my coworkers. She was proud of this. Like, she's like, I would chain them up so they couldn't I've told move. some it's customers like, at the no, co-op, like, honestly, if you did steal something, I would just look the other way. It's, it's like, true that no, people my, are sadistic, though, mm-hmm. about the way they want to treat criminals. Um, because they don't... Because... Yep. Either they don't know anyone who's ever been in trouble with the law, or yeah. uh, or they do, and they are just like in total denial. Yeah. But they externalize this incredible sadism. Yeah. I mean, it's a real kind of ideological sadism uh, that uh, you know Wilhelm Reich yeah. and other kinds of, of Marxist psychologists have a pretty good account of why you know when society is really fucked up, yeah. they're really safe, sadistic. About what they want deviants, how they want deviants yeah. to be treated. I remember one this time with my coworker. This is why cops are not good, oh. even if they're socialists. I remember one time with my coworker. Basically, said like she would do something so, so terribly to shoplifters. Right. They don't have to take her to jail. You've been hearing you know, but they're awfuls. A very poisonous snake. Even the DSA doesn't let cops okay. in. Really? Well, what do you do? Yeah. Surprising. Want that snake? Because I ain't gonna get no, poisoned. I'm immune. Charleston DSA has a cop. Oh, in it. you're a stoneheart. Charleston yeah. DSA. Maybe, maybe it's a chapter by chapter <laughs> thing, but oh wait, I friend the snake. No cops. No We're not even fighting. And I have that animal perk. Oh yeah, you got the animal. Can perk. I befriend the snake? You're trying to befriend the snake. I want to befriend the snake. Roll a nature wait. check or yeah. animal handling check. Or be careful though. Roll a nature check. I believe is what animal handling is. Well, there's animal handling. Look at the one that has uh, the, your, your angel shore where the proficiencies are. You can swipe okay, look, pages look, look, on your page. Right here? No. Mm. So there's either an animal handling or if there's not one, then it's a nature check. There you go. Uh, I have animal handling. Okay. So I... Roll that. Roll, Roll this. Roll a 20 Saturday, yes. One. One. I got a nine. Just <laughs> add your add plus your, four. So that's thir- that's yeah thirteen. 13 yeah, yeah. yeah you, the, the snake uh, looks at you and and then actually just crawls right up and wraps itself around your arm. Yes. <laughs> you know it's not a constricting snake because it's venomous. Uh, I got a baby. <laughs> Stay you still have to go with the like. The, wait, did, did you already go past the water? No, no. Oh. she's still on this other side. Guys, I gotta. The, I mean, okay, okay. So how are you gonna make sure that snake was a survives? Guys, to get you guys off your ass. Okay, okay. To continue okay, playing okay. the game. I was about guys, to. Guys, guys, guys. guys tell Bria okay. how bad it was. <laughs> okay, I'll just tie the rope around the tree. You tie it to the other side, and we'll cross together as one. You as want one. the snake? Yes. Okay. The snake and me are one. <laughs> yes, the snake was a rhetorical device to get you to. Move along. And now you actually gave her a pet. I got out my guitar. Trust in me. Trust in me. Oh no. Okay. So make make a strength check with advantage. So you roll the take the highest from two dice, and you're going for athletics as is is the uh, is the uh, proficiency you're going to add. That's the number you add to your die roll. Yeah, it should be up there. Athletics. Like at the top. It's alphabetical, I believe. It's like, it's, oh, Acrobatics yeah, is a dexterity based on. Athletics is a strength. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's nine and two. So nine plus what? Four? No, it's two. Correct. 